Hello and welcome to Interculture Podcast, where we discuss the unique challenges of intercultural relationships, including differences of nationality, ethnicity, or religion. I am Ibrahim. And I'm Jenna. Each week, we discuss a different topic on living and thriving in an increasingly global society. Hello and welcome to Interculture Podcast. Hi, Ibo. Hi. How's it going? I've been socializing some more this week, as yeah. I've told you about, and I'm feeling really good about that. Oh, awesome. What about you? I'm fine. I'm just feeling the same thing over and over again. It's pretty standard. Life's a drag, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weather is getting cooler every day, and then... I think we're going to start seeing leaves changing color. Yeah. It's going to be a good moment to eat in the Central Park. Yeah. In days. I've already seen all the Instagram posts of people hanging out in Central Park. It's already coming. Oh, yeah. That's how you know. Exactly. That's how you know fall is here, is you'll see people posting their Central Park pictures to their <laughs> stories. It's the true changing of the seasons. Yeah. Okay. Our topic today is about racial fetishization. Thank you for saying that because I cannot like... It's hard to say. Pronounce word. Yeah, it's a, a really interesting topic. There's a lot of meat to it. As I've noticed so far from the early days of my, my youth, movies in Hollywood did have a, a big indication of the race fetish. Yeah. Definitely. The stereotypes of actors and actresses. People are typecast in yeah, Hollywood yeah. based on their race. All the good characters, like, mostly white. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, that's what I expect. But I think there's, I think it all started with colonization. There was this fetishization about black women's bodies in the early 18, yeah. 1800s. It's, it's gross. It's like, you know. It is really horrifying. Yeah, it is really horrifying. These guys go into Africa, you know, during the early colonization years, taking black women's bodies when they die, putting them on display, like a, a novelty to look at. Looking at that, like a really horrifying side of history. It was a fucked up time. I also think on this topic, I always think about the opera Madama Butterfly. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But um, it's a really, really beautiful opera. Probably my favorite. But it's about an American soldier. He's stationed in Japan for a long time. He has this romance with a woman there. She has his child. And he's gone for years after the war is over. Uh -huh. And she's waiting for him for a long time. And in love with him. And when he returns, he is married to a white woman. Like, he has a whole new life back in America. And there's, I mean, there's different opinions about this show. And it, it, it ends tragically, obviously. For me, the message is that colonialization and invasion, it traumatizes people of other nations in lasting and horrifying ways. For some, 
the message is more like there's this idea of what an Asian woman represents in the minds of white Westerners. And this show is just kind of perpetuating that stereotype of this catering hypersexual Asian woman, whatever you want to say. There's a divide on the opinion, but, and it's a complicated topic. <laughs> I mean, I used to date an Asian girl before. I know. Did she ever talk about this? Feeling like fetishized by men in the past? Yeah. Maybe not for her typically, but in, in general speaking, yeah. I think it's a really big problem. And anime kind of contributes to that. But Asian women do get harassed by, let's say, typically white men. They're stereotyping them and seeing them as sex objects. There's this stereotype of Asian women as being more subservient. And this whole, like, the colonialization factor in war, World War II, there's this image of the white man coming to conquer Asian territories and Asian women also is part of that. And that idea is still an undercurrent. It's still there. And Asian women are harassed. Last year, March 2021, there was a shooting in Atlanta. Most of the victims were Asian women. It was a horrible day. There was a, a huge reckoning, I feel like, after that incident. Yeah, and before then, it was a lot of Asian people get harassed and got attacked for COVID-19. It's still ongoing. That happened in New York. That's <laughs> the crazy thing is there were so many attacks on Asian people in New York. And I feel like this is supposed to be our city. You know, we're supposed to be free and accepting of everyone I around understand. the world. You I, know? Heard, I heard a person like right outside, like two years ago, when George Floyd protests happening. Uh -huh. There was like the really old guy shouting at the pro protesters and saying like white power. Oh my god. I said, what the hell in Hell's Kitchen? <laughs> no. A lot of them come from out of state to like protest, so I don't think it's a growing trend here. I don't want to like no, no, it's rise not. any definitely, alarm. Yeah, bells. definitely not. But the shooting, what came up was this intersection of misogyny, fetishization, because the, the perpetrator of the shootings, when questioned about his actions, he said that he was a sex addict and that he was sexually frustrated and he wanted to eliminate these salons where Asian women worked to eliminate that temptation. And he clearly had deeper issues than being than fetishizing. But I think another interesting part of this conversation is a lot of people will discuss having preference in dating and I just oh I just prefer white girls or whatever or something like that and there's like a really fine line to be drawn between what is okay to express about your own sexual preferences versus what is dehumanizing behavior fetishizing people or just covert racism essentially and I don't know, this is a hard topic to parse out, but what I've read about the preference idea is that once your preference is about excluding 
certain people as unattractive on the basis of their race, that is when you are in a dangerous territory. Indigenous people too. Indigenous women have, in America and Canada have an extremely high rate of murder and sexual assault. And it's absolutely insane. It's a huge problem. And I think it's, it is all stemming from like this dehumanization of people. And it's seeing like non-white people typically as something other and something that is less than. And that is how you get to a person who views human life as disposable. That's sick. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> this is a dark topic. If I want to lighten it, I've known many people who, who find Asian people beautiful in my life. No doubt. I mean, which is like, it becomes so uncomfortable if you like really sit down and think about it. But I think it's, it's okay if, to just find certain features attractive in other people. No? A lot of people talk about Asian babies being really cute. Like the cutest baby. Mm. That's not sexual. That's just, you know, acknowledging the superior race of Earth. <laughs> to make someone to realize that have this kind of a fetish, probably mostly like men doesn't realize this, but no one's going to like open Google, you know, like the search engine about this <laughs> to get more acknowledgement. But um, there should be, I think, some way to acknowledge other people, even though like maybe they, they have this and but they don't realize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they don't, they don't see that as a problem to have. Well, there's this idea about people not wanting to confront their own bias. Mm. How people are so resistant to that. Mm -hmm. And I think people will continue to be resistant to that because bias exists in all of us. It's something we all have to deal with. But no one, no one wants to acknowledge that because it feels like that's saying I'm a bad person. Or, you know, if you're a racist, that means that you're a horrible person and, and you're like Hitler, you know, or something. I think people are just so resistant to acknowledging some of those tendencies within ourselves. And even when people do, it seems like kind of our cancel culture society kind of tells them it's not, you know, your acknowledgement is not enough. You need to make amends somehow and i'll tell you when you've reached that point of making amends you know i decide so it's it's just hard it's it's letting go of the ego is it not yes <laughs> and also do you, do you think like geography matters in this in this problem like where you're raised or how you have you raised yeah i think different people are experiencing this the context is different, but mm -hmm. it's still a problem in some way. Mm -hmm. Because there, there's racism everywhere and there's bias everywhere. Not every country has the background of colonizing or, or being colonized, though. To, well, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So it might look quite different in some places. Yeah. Do you think people have a bias for Turkish, Turkish people in here? Hmm. Have you ever come across that? Not really. I think. Yeah, me neither. I I was talking at one of the social dinners last night about Memo and how I wanted to bring him, and 
And this guy was like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why? He's mm-hmm. like, he's Turkish and I'm Greek. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only time I hear negative things about Turkish peoples. Usually. Yeah, you can only hear that from a Greek guy. Yeah. That's sad. The only thing I would say on my end, people think that we speak Arabic. Oh. And we live in a land... Of camels? Of camels and des- desert, you know? Oh, okay. And now I get what you're saying. It's oh, a little like... less specific. Like if a, an American sees a, a guy from the Middle East, they're going to be like, oh, he's an Arab and he lives in the desert. <laughs> I feel like because, you know, that's just our picture of the Middle East, basically. Because I, I remember, in fact, like maybe 12, 13 years ago, when Megan Fox, she came to Turkey for, she was going to like act in a Doritos advertisement. Okay. And they were making interviews with her beforehand. She was saying that it was like first time that she'd been in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. And she knew like quite many things about Turkey too. She also knew that we had one of the first temples that ever built in the world, you know, the Göbekli Tepe, the... Oh, okay, yeah. The east, like, Saudis from Turkey, anyway. But, but I remember one thing that she said. She, she said she was, like, surprised that Istanbul has so many buildings. I think it didn't occur to, occur to her that Istanbul was a developed city. Didn't have, like, any skyscrapers or anything. That surprised me. Yes, we don't ride camels in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> there are no camels, right? Or there's no, yeah, we do have camels and okay. we just don't ride them, we wrestle them. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds like animal abuse, but anyway, talking about like stereotyping anyone from the Middle East, Americans' vision of the Middle East is from the Iraq War, right? And I don't know, I feel like a lot of my my childhood i was informed about the the middle east from the movie aladdin <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it yeah i haven't seen the broadway show i haven't seen the broadway show it it is great really yeah maybe you should go. watch it especially genie in that okay broadway show i saw the new live action aladdin and that was pretty good mm. i thought but yeah there's there was that survey that that they conducted in America about, do you think that the United States should bomb Agrabah? And many, many people said yes, but Agrabah is a fictional city. (laughs) In Aladdin. That's Aladdin City. They want to kill Aladdin. How could they? Anyway, but they don't know. That's how little, like, some people know about the Middle East. Actually, I remember 2016. There was like one guy who was against Trump in the Republican Party. Okay. He was doing an interview in, in CNN with this reporter. They were asking about Syrian politics. They asked him like the place of Damascus. And mm-hmm. then he thought that wasn't Iraq or Iran or something. He didn't think, he, he didn't know that it was I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he didn't know it was in, it was in Syria. And then <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really liked Aladdin. Aladdin is like the perfect female romanticizing male characters uh-huh. because he's a really good guy. 
in the beginning we established that even though he worked really hard and almost got caught stealing food for himself, he just gave it away to these orphaned homeless children. So he's a good guy. But he's like also on the run from the law. So he's kind of a bad boy. A little <laughs> bit. But when Jasmine comes and he like opens up to him, he's like very understanding of her emotionally. He's like idealized characters that appeal to like female fantasy. And he like never wears a shirt. (laughs) I'm just saying maybe, maybe I have Aladdin to thank for my love. (laughs) Middle Eastern. Yeah, you're funny Aladdin. (laughs) I just watched that recently. That's why I'm like talking about it so much. (laughs) But anyway, but that was an example for me, like how the media kind of informs our racial preferences. Mm. I think it's not going to get worse in the future. It's going to be worse? No, I don't, I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, geez, doom and gloom. No, I don't think so. I mean, in, in the past, you wouldn't see international weddings and much more people that getting married from different cultures. So do you think that's related to fetishization? That's related to globalization. Yeah, right. The fetish would, would be like you, you like see them as like only... As an, as an object, like, no. Yeah. You don't give any value to them, right? Well, the value you give to them is how they can satisfy yeah, your Yeah, how they can satisfy, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So, that's, yeah, that's what I tell For black people, too, like, you know, people of color, you don't have to be, like, just Asian for that. Even, that can happen for white women, too. I certainly don't see it happening for white women, oh, <laughs> like, you don't being see. fetishized. Okay. Although, you know, Maybe this is a little personal, but Memo told me not too long after we were, we started dating, I always, <laughs> I always wanted to date someone with the skin color, like so. He said that. Yeah, so light and like nice. <laughs> <gasps> that was the first time anyone ever said something like that to me. Mm-hmm. And it was I felt so uncomfortable at first because yeah, it's like. White Americans, we kind of have this uh, this reckoning with our past, understanding how whiteness has been like glorified in our country mm-hmm. since the beginning. And so to see someone say like, I like your whiteness, it's, <laughs> at first it's like, you're like, oh my God, Nazi, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, which obviously he's not, but that was, you know, your first initial reaction is like, Mm-hmm. Oh my God, white supremacists, get out of here. I, I really am curious about like other people who are in interracial relationships. Maybe because you're his type. He said that. I hope I'm his type. I mean. Yeah, you, basically, <laughs> you definitely are, I'm pretty sure. But he said that because he wanted to say that. Not as a fetish. Not like right? a saying like, oh, the, the white race. <laughs> you know, that's not. No, that's not what he was saying. Back into line with our our topic with stereotyping it's kind of like you this is your place in our society putting these labels on people on countries it's like yes good job in fitting in the box that we made and we're telling you to jump into it it's it's fucked up definitely you know in order to overcome this there is a need of acknowledgement and awareness mm-hmm. i believe it is hard to Sometimes, like, it is hard to define the real problem, but uh, we have all the tools to address that. 
with a society now. So it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be something like we cannot overcome. Yeah. I think people are doing a good job in claiming their own voice also. Mm-hmm. Because that is pushing back on stereotyping. Yeah. Putting themselves out there and saying, this is who I am. This is what is important to me culturally. And saying, don't put me in a box. Hearing those people and giving platform to those people is making a difference. Do you feel like any discomfort over having racial preferences, I guess? If you have any, I'm not saying you do. Like dating or? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) No, I don't. Not a fetish, but it's just. I'm not saying it's a fetish. I don't have a type that I I don't really care. Yeah. But I would say like I have a soft soft spot for Asian girls. (laughs) My my old boss, everyone at work would talk about him behind his back that he like was obsessed with Asian girls. Mm. Always. No, I'm not obsessed, but. Yeah. And also, like, I'm, like, clean-faced. I don't have that much of a facial hair. Mm-hmm. When I was on dating apps or something, I usually would match up with Asian people, like Asian girls. Oh, really? I wouldn't say stereotype. Everyone, all, of course, different, but they kind of, like, prefer, like, clean-faced people. Less hairy, I guess. Well, guys from East Asia are less hairy. Yeah. So maybe that's just, like, you know, you grow up looking at this. Yeah, it might, might be an indication, like, might have an effect. But of course, everyone is different. Everyone has different preferences, of course. What yeah. I just perceived so far might be wrong. Asian men are really having their moment right now in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I support it. Yeah. I've met many girls who love Asian guys. And I met someone... On Hinge, you can actually, I don't know if this is still a feature, like it's been so long since I've been on dating apps, but you can like filter by race. Oh, Jesus, really? Yeah. (laughs) At least it used to be. Maybe they got rid of it. I can't believe I'm saying Jesus. (laughs) 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 I'm like so into this. I think I'm like so into American culture. I love it. I can see myself like I'm like too American now (laughs) that I'm going to start saying Jesus. Oh man, too American. That's another topic we should get into one day. <laughs> I love it. It makes me laugh. My, yeah, my mom shouldn't hear this that I'm saying. Oh no. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. That's so funny. Yeah, okay. On Hinge, you can filter on many things like height. And yeah, she set her app to only show Asian guys, period. That's all she wanted. And Her boyfriend was very handsome, I mean, but it's just really, it's, it's almost uncomfortable. Now it's like, I feel like Asian guys for so long, growing up, all you hear is like Asian guys have small things, you know, um, that was, and that was like the stereotype, but now I feel like I meet so many like women who are just obsessed with Asian guys and I'm like, are we going into the other direction? Now are we fetishizing them? Like, mm, you right, know? right. Such as like black guys too. There's of course a fetishization in that. <laughs> oh, well, they get like the least matches on dating apps, black women. Did you know that? Yeah, I, f- 
and it's just reflective of our attitudes towards black people is still like really biased and messed up but I feel like it is like really an Asian thing at this point maybe I just haven't like talked to enough people about it to get an accurate picture but it's I'm just I am glad that like we're starting to appreciate Asian men more for like how beautiful and glorious they are but at the same time it's a little troubling (laughs) I don't know where do you draw the line where do you if you're if you're only looking for Asian guys on your app that seems maybe like problematic behavior or no yeah it's a big problem like I think in the gay community as well Mm -hmm. I was reading before we started recording about this study that was published about gay men experiencing people fetishizing them. By who? It was black gay men, I believe. Okay. They were talking about how they felt it was a really huge hurdle to connection, not just romantically, but also platonically. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Obviously, I don't know much about the gay man dating scene, but it's it's a big problem for gay people as well. Oh, that's surprising. There are some things with like the gay dating scene where it's like people will talk about their preference for race or for like more feminine or more masculine presenting mm-hmm. individuals, and some would argue that having that preference is dehumanizing to people but i think when it comes to things you like on dating apps when it comes to like certain features it's you can you can definitely have those feelings but you don't need to to advertise that you like it and you don't need to like say i don't want anything outside of this because that is a very objectifying mindset to be in and that is going to hurt people like, if you feel like, I really like this in a person, that's fine. But you don't need to advertise that. I see. I think it's kind of like, girls do this now where they're like, I only want to date a guy over six feet. Mm. Okay, if you really like tall guys, good for you, whatever. But don't, if you put that online, people are going to feel, I don't know, like this instant rejection and judgment. Yeah, I know how that feels. (laughs) Yeah, I think most of us do. Yeah, it seems like, okay, well, being tall, that's that's not a feature that's extremely tied to one race, though. So I think people get away with saying they only want a tall person, even though I think it's on some levels almost as bad. There's not quite like the the background of systemic racism and oppression and colonization attached to it so of course it's it's not on the same level but in in terms of making people feel inadequate by by their their personhood their body like yeah it's it's the same but i guess the way that fetishization is harmful it can have like very serious like real world consequences when like if you look at the atlanta shooting and yeah inspiring violence from stereotyping but if you connect racial bias with misogyny it's a dangerous 
cocktail that's being formed there. And I think it happens a lot, actually, in certain subcultures. It's just impossible for me to, like, not think about certain misogynist ideas, ideologies that are on the rise now. I think it's all related to it. It should be related to each other, like racism and misogynism. Yeah. In a way, they are all connected because they're all, like, seen as diverging from the dominant figure in our society. I wonder how did it all started, actually. <laughs> Don't you think, like, the first racist people? You know, we have, like, this tribalist nature to us, which you see, like, in other primates. The other group, that is our competition in terms of food and resources. So that's where some of those, like, negative perceptions are coming from. It was a survival thing. Yeah. But if you look back at, like, the slave trade... Yeah, I wonder how did that, how did that all start it? Well, I think they thought by virtue of like how advanced their society is, they see people living like very different differently in terms of technology and they look different. They look very different from your your mom and dad and your neighbors and everything. So they dehumanize them in that way. Mm -hmm. And if you dehumanize a person, you can do unspeakable things to them and have no conscience about it. I mean, bad people. Bad people can. Yeah, I'll make some research about it. I know, I know, I know some aspects of this slave trade and slavery, but um, I think I'm going to get to the bottom of that. And what I do think is interesting, like what media we're exposed to as children kind of informs what is sexually desirable, like desirable traits, I mean. But at the same time, it's like without that, if we were only relying on our exposure to people who look differently from us in our society, like, would those same fetishizations still be happening, do you think? That's a good aspect. Yeah. I don't think it would be this, this bad or this much. Yeah, I agree. The media and the visual of indication of culture, like, it has a big power. Yeah. What has been... A desirable feature i mean that changes from place to place from time to time you know how many a few hundred years ago large fat women were very desirable and 20 30 years ago if you were looked like you were starving to death that was the height of <laughs> attraction so yeah it's all and and media has like the biggest some of the biggest impact Unless you're living in a really culturally diverse area, I mean, you're probably being informed by media, really. If you were in a more diverse area and had, like, those relationships with people who look differently, casual, platonic, like, even familial, those relationships, you would not stereotype them because they would be in part of your broader community, No. The media needs to work really hard to not just hire people who are people of color, but also make characters for them that have depth and are fleshed out properly and don't fall into a category, a stereotype. You mm -hmm. know, that's, that's the role of Hollywood now. Ali Wong made that movie. What was it called? Always Be My Maybe. 
Yeah. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that too. And that was really lauded as a movie that helps to break Asian stereotypes in yeah. film. I also love watching her shows. <laughs> uh, she's, yeah, she's incredible. But more movies like that, you know, where we can see people of color living their normal everyday lives. They're not like a background person that is an exact stereotype of what they've always been portrayed as, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, an important and necessary change. Yeah, totally agree. I think I'm thinking about that. Like if you see a black person or like a Thai person or whatever, engaging in the same behaviors, cultural practices, or like going to school at your same school, if you connect them to you, that's a block to like fetishizing because you see them as a person. Mm -hmm. I think the also race, race fetishization is you're more likely to have that in a misogynistic country. Mm. A lot How of so? white guys, like I'm here, like, oh, I love Japan, you know, while I'm going to Japan. That's so popular. So many like white guys, like, obsessed with Japanese stuff. Yeah. My, my also ex girlfriend used to, <laughs> she, she used to say that. And I like started seeing it after, after I noticed it, she, after she mentioned it, you know. This is another thing on fetishization of Asian women in World War II and before World War II, actually. Mm -hmm. The Japanese Empire created these camps for soldiers with enslaved Asian women to work as forced sex workers for them, taking advantage of quote unquote comfort women, Asian women who were enslaved, that falls into the Western idea of conquering and coming to conquer. And that created racism in our society and stereotyping and violence. How do you feel about Mia Khalifa, porn star, former porn star? Oh, I saw her in a movie. A movie? Yeah. Like a pornographic movie? No, no. <laughs> I was watching this uh, series on Hulu. Um, it's called Rami. I want to watch that. Is it you good? You should definitely watch it. Yeah, it's good. Okay. I've been I mean, wanting there, to watch there's, it. There has been a lot of like criticizing about the uh, the series also, but uh, I guess what he did is, I mean, I like it. There was this episode <laughs> where they go to this Emirati guy to get funded to a mosque. And I saw her in that. And I, I, didn't know. I was kind of surprised, you know? And I'm surprised hearing that. Yeah. I was just thinking about her. Like, I didn't know she was... She's still getting death, death threats by ISIS. <laughs> They're still out there, like... <laughs> She's a very interesting person. I read some articles about how she is feeding into the fetishization of Middle Eastern women. Oh. Or, like, seeing that as exotic. And also, yeah. In, in the series, that the, they mentioned that, too. Oh, yep. okay. Well, everyone go watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what I've read from like a feminist blog talking about how it's feeding into like this desire to like conquer quote unquote exotic women. And I just, I don't, <laughs> exotic woman. I just don't know if I agree with that. Like, <laughs> it seems like kind of ridiculous. But. Exotic woman. What am I? Am I? Am I? Am I an exotic man now? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how you know. Yeah, that's how you know. Like, it depends on who you ask. 
that's how you know when something is becoming a fetish. You look up the search name of porn. Exotic, yeah. With most searched keywords for, oh, you know, that's how you can tell. You're right. Well, there should just be more surveillance of porn websites because, in general. There should be, yes. Oh, I don't need to get into my soapbox about, like, human trafficking and, like, revenge porn and rape and all the horrible things that are perpetuated by the porn industry. But anyway, I'm not going to get into it right now because that's not our topic. But I kind of like what she has to say about it. Her most quoted interview, she talks about how it's mostly people from the Middle East that are watching her videos and they're the ones that have like banned her from returning to their country or like that send her death threats. Like it's those same people. And that's like such an interesting point to bring up. The fact that <laughs> it's, I think it's kind of like an internal hatred. Yeah, I feel like, ins- yeah, I feel like insulted even for myself experiencing ex- exotic. I mean, I mean, my mom is Turkish. She's, she's a Muslim and I have like numerous of cousins, female cousins. Yeah. Now like a white man just want to ex- explore them now. <laughs> is that is like. That is really uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, same, same goes, goes for the, I think other races as well. <laughs> You know? Yeah, it's that's what they're experiencing. Yeah, it's only it's not their mom or their cousin; it's them. Yeah, <laughs> and also so, it's them. Yeah, I mean. But that that is what we're talking about, and that is how people. That is how some people think. It's like you, <laughs> you see it on the porn, and then you want to experience that in real life. That is what it is. I mean, people imitate what they see in porn. Um, talking to my Turkish listeners right now. Okay. They are hearing uh, many haram words. <laughs> so, are we gonna put a caveat on all our description? Yeah, if this published in Turkey, though, it could be like a content. Uh, how do you say limitation? Yeah, there would be. There would be yes, and this is an explicit podcast, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like plus eighteen now. <laughs> it was. It was always plus eighteen. No. I don't know. It's plus 18 for Turkish listeners now. So my countrymen, if you're not open-minded enough, <laughs> please don't, I mean... Don't DM me. <laughs> <laughs> there are many open-minded people in Turkey, I know. They just don't get enough media no attention. Comment. <laughs> there are. No, I, I see them, you know. Topics of sexuality and this thing, like it's kind of a taboo. I would want to hear... What other people think about this? Yeah. We can't really talk because either of us hasn't really experienced being fetishized by someone, right? I guess I, yeah, I don't think so, as far as I know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you would know if it had happened, right? I mean, you can't know what someone's thinking, obviously, but if you'd been treated a certain way, I feel like you'd be like, hmm, I wonder if they... If they're like into me because of like my accent or <laughs> I don't know. Oh no, not by uh, yeah, not by woman. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, in the future, we can hear from people who have more of an experience and perspective on this because we ourselves haven't experienced being fetishized by someone. Maybe we've noticed it happening 
and happening in our loved ones as well but that's it's different than actually experiencing it yourself so i i do want to like yeah. acknowledge that some people are turning that into their advantage you know i'm talking about content creators yeah yeah like people trying to appear racially different than they are or if they are belonging to one race like trying to i'm sure there are some women who try to like amplify that mm-hmm. to cater to an audience that is fetishizing that race like that's another another point you know that's just perpetuating the stereotype it it has like a stronghold over people's biases if you link it to sex so i think that's really problematic and i don't agree with doing that well i think we're reaching the end of our discussion yeah thank you for listening and we will be back next week see you I think next next post cap. <laughs> sorry. I always okay. Just I'm I'm do, I'm gonna do this basic. Yeah. See you next next week. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs>